Medicare is complicated. Medicare can be confusing. Medicare is no fun to study. Will you know what decisions to make when Medicare time arrives for you? My name is Doug Jones, and I wrote a book to help you figure it all out. Medicare for the Lazy Man. It's on sale at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Also, you can download and listen to my podcast, Medicare for the Lazy Man, wherever fine podcasts are given away free of charge. Medicare for the Lazy Man, simplest and easiest guide ever. Powered only by the wind and the sun, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The housebroken Medicare podcast. Getting his kicks on Route 66, it's Medicare expert Doug Jones. Well, hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us. It's time for another exciting episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. Would you like to feel more confident about the approaching Medicare uh, encounter that you're going to have? Well, you've come to the right place. One of the ways that I can help you feel more confident is to encourage you to buy my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023. If you go to barnesandnoble.com, you'll find a a beautifully illustrated paperback on sale for about $9. It's got colorful illustrations. If you go to amazon.com, you'll find a paperback like that, only black and white illustrations, for $8. And you'll find an audible book wherein I read all of my thoughts to you. You'll find a, a Kindle version or ebook that you can download to your device and read at your leisure. That's a very, very uh, attractively priced item. And then if you're into collectibles, if you're into one-of-a-kind collectibles, you may buy the $22 hardcover edition with colorful illustrations, and uh, you may Consider that to be a lifetime gift to your heirs, your progeny, your uh, family uh, down through the ages. After you're dead and gone, they will still have that book to treasure, to show off, and they'll be able to say, look at this magnificent creation that our uh, beloved grandmother or whoever bought for us. So those are the choices that you have. And I have a choice, too. I always have a choice. And today, my choice is to ask Randy Carson how his life has been going, because he looks like he's uh, sitting in the middle of a graveyard. And I'm <laughs> I'm wondering how that transpired. Randy, give us the scoop on that, will you? You just never know where I'm going to pop up, uh, do you, uh, It's like Waldo. You're like Waldo, a better-looking Waldo. No. A better-dressed better Waldo. Where, yeah, well, I hope so, because well, I don't like the striped, you know, idea that <laughs> Waldo's has got going on. But anyway, I am sitting in front of Boot Hill, a picture of Bo- the various graves in Boot Hill in Tombstone, Arizona. And as you can see, uh, what is it? October 26th of 1881 was not yeah. a good day for some cowboys in Main Street. No, and it wasn't probably a good day for the grave diggers, although they earned extra money, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting. Uh, these things are just incredibly interesting. The older I get, the more I enjoy history. But 
What I was going to say is I've got a whole bunch. I, I warned you in advance. I've got a whole bunch of stuff lined up for you. You did, and I didn't run away screaming. I, I'm still here. No, no. Well, I've got a couple choices for you, and they actually may be the type of things you can handle both of them. Well, but l- let, it, let us see. So I let's, appreciate the confidence. Let's see what we do here. So I've got... I think I'm going to do this one first. And then if you want to go on to one of our famous Medicare questions, we can do that. Well, you're in the driver's seat, so you tell me what you'd like to do. So what happened today, today's date, in the Spanish port of Palos? Okay, today is August 3rd. Uh, You're not even going to tell me what century this was, I'm guessing. I've got a. If I if I tell you that, you'll know right off the get go. I'm going to make you work a little bit. The Spanish port of Palos. Well, when I hear about anything having to do with Spain in history, I think of the Spanish American War, which took place both in Cuba and in the Philippines, kind of at the same time. And my grandfather was a young soldier uh, with the uh, Teddy Roosevelt Rough Riders. And uh, he survived that war, came back, went to law school, became a judge eventually. But he was called into service or or volunteered for World War One, where he was a, a captain in the army uh, for the year and few months that we were involved in World War One. So he had a military career interspersed with his legal career. And then at age 54, he just keeled over and died. And so, and left two little kids and a widow. So that's where my knowledge of my grandfather <laughs> came to an end. And I'm I'm going to guess it has something to do with the Spanish-American War. But I know it, if this was Spain, we never really had combat in Spain during the Spanish-American War. So that's probably not the answer. I'm going to say it's not. I, I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> it's not. Well, today... On today's date, now you're going to know immediately when I tell you the century uh, or the actual year, 1492. Oh, yeah. Okay. The Moroccans were driven out of Spain, driven back Uh, to Africa. uh, No. No. Boy, that's two two bad answers. So it's, I'll give you some more hints. Is this when Columbus uh, departed? Columbus, Christopher Columbus, took off, set sail for the New World. Okay. In, and now what is, I've got a couple bonus questions. You can really kind of cover yourself and bring All yourself right. back into the good la- oh, the good graces of, of the of the podcast audience. All right. Uh, what were the name of the three ships? Well, the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. Absolutely. And now here's a little tougher question. Okay. He okay. Keep in mind, he set sail into on today's date in fourteen ninety two. Right. On that particular expedition, what happened on October twelfth? Well, that's when they sighted land, which happened to be an island in the Caribbean. I want to say Hispaniola, uh, you know, which today is divided between Haiti and uh, San Santo Domingo. No. Anyway, am I right about that? Which island they? You are. I, okay. I, you know, you amaze me. I, I'm absolutely amazed that you can pull this stuff out. Uh, but yes, on October 12th, the expedition sighted land. Right. Now I'm going to give you the I'm going to give you the details according to this source. But okay, uh, who knows? Because I don't believe anybody here alive was on the expedition. But anyway, no. 
the expedition sighted land, probably Watling Island in the Bahamas. Okay, went, I had the wrong island. And went ashore the same day, claiming it for Spain. Later that month, Columbus sighted Cuba, which he thought was China. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. He didn't really talk to any of the Cubans that happened to live there. He would have known better. No, yeah. So, I mean, he was doing he was doing some major exploring, but his his assumption of what he was going to see, when yeah. and where he was going to see it, was not exactly a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. They had mathematically determined the circumference of the Earth, but they were off by many thousands of miles, and that's why he thought China was closer than it it really is. Yeah. Um, oh, I was going to go back to the beginning. He bugged Ferdinand and Isabel for a long time to get money. Uh, and ships and men to go on this expedition. And they put him off and they put him off and they put him off until the the Arabs were driven out of Spain finally, which I believe was in 1492. I would say Seville was the last uh, Arab stronghold in Spain is my guess. And when the Spanish finally rid Spain of the foreign invaders, the uh, Arabs, then uh, they could turn their attention to other things like funding Columbus's trip. Yep, absolutely. So So I think, now you can can go a different direction if you want, but I think if we want to go into the deep, dark Medicare question vault, we can do that, or you can go on with your other content. I think we've we've promised promised the audience that we're going to give them a Medicare question as long as we have one available. So I oh. hate to go back on that promise. Do I have one? Oh boy, gut buster, <laughs> huh? Oh boy, fasten your seatbelt, Jones. Oh, this is going to be a tough one. Question: I think. Well, I'm pretty sure we're on number twenty-one because last episode we did question twenty, which was: Does Medicare have a network? And we discovered that no, it doesn't. The answer is no. Uh, but I, I managed to kill five minutes of everybody's lives by <laughs> pontificating on that. Well, here we go. Question number 21. Am I required to enroll in Medicare? You are not. Enrollment is completely voluntary. You don't have to enroll in Medicare at all. The risk you face, though, is that if you find yourself either injured or sick, you know, ill or or injured at some point in the future, you're not going to have insurance to pay the medical bills that you incur. So that's going to be um, the consequence of you refusing to enroll in Medicare. So I would say go with the flow. It's big government um, handout. Uh, they pay it, you know, a lot of the, the cost they, the taxpayers are forced to pay. But on the other hand, it is the only health insurance plan we have for people 65 and older. So I would say that you should enroll in Medicare, but you don't have to. That is absolutely correct answer. Yeah. <laughs> Another you one have, down the drain. You have brought yourself into the good graces of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast producer. Well, as you know, that makes me very happy. That's <laughs> that's the reason I'm here is to make you happy with my performance. I'm, and- I'm really pleased because I thought there's a possibility, you know, I might get my pay raised. Well, you got a few more opportunities, so that list isn't over yet by a long shot. So let's keep plugging away, <laughs> keep doing the best you can. And, you know, we always do the right thing, even if nobody's looking, right? So yes. that pay raise may come your way at a time that you're not expecting it. It'll be that even more be. valuable then. I wanted to sh- well, 
I think that's true. So I'm going to go ahead and mute myself well, well, out. I want I want to share with you our uh, our new terminology, our nomenclature created by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Uh-oh. When they're Uh-oh. not when they're not busy controlling and preventing diseases, they've created a way of correcting the rest of us for our uh, heathen-like language. And so the category that they've uh, attacked, they've attacked many categories. In this case, we're talking about disability. And uh, what they have said is, here are your new rules, people. I want you to stop using the terms you're used to using. Those old, outdated, hateful, hateful terms would be the words disabled or differently abled. How often do you find yourself saying differently abled? Probably not that often. Afflicted, handicapped. You're not allowed to say handicapped anymore. Or you, uh, you you are also enjoined from saying confined to a wheelchair or wheelchair bound. So instead of those, here's what you're supposed to say. You're supposed to say people with disabilities or people with a disability or a person with a disability. People who are deaf or hard of hearing or who are blind, or who have low vision. Low vision, not, you know, hard of hearing, low vision. Um, people What'd you with say, an, Doug? <laughs> I can't see you. Uh, <laughs> people with an intellectual or developmental disability, and you can also say people who choose, oh, people who use a wheelchair or mobility device. You're not supposed to say wheelchair bound or whatever else I uh, mentioned at the beginning of this segment. And uh, then it has some notes here. Avoid using vulnerable when describing people with disabilities. Then it says CDC is aware that some individuals with disabilities prefer to use identity first terminology, which means a disability or disability status is referred to first for the purposes of these guidelines. CDC promotes person first language. I don't know what I just read. I believe it's supposed to, again, correct us and everything else. When we have perfectly, perfectly usable English um, language adjectives and descriptors, I don't know why somebody just can't say no when these people start demanding to be called something other than what they've been called for their whole lives. When no ill will is intended, then there's no reason for this correction, this uh, chastising uh, people for using adjectives that other people don't like. And so I say, just say no. But we've got plenty more. The CDC has been very busy trying to change our language. So we'll be uh, sharing their contributions uh, far into the future. Now, I have um, a, a question that came in from a person I've never corresponded with before. And I didn't know if this would be helpful, but I hear this question frequently. So I thought if I share the question and answer with the audience, maybe it will be helpful. And maybe if I can remember to do it when I rewrite the book at the end of this year, I will make it more clear in my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man, which is going to be 2024. Uh, so this woman wrote in, her name is Cheryl, and she said, Hi. I purchased your book, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023. I read it, but I am confused and I have a question. So many different answers from people, and I wasn't sure of any answers in your book. Maybe I just read it wrong or missed. My husband is turning 65 in September of this year, 2023, and he plans on continuing to work at his job that has 
more than 20 employees. He plans on keeping his current medical plan that his work offers, and he holds my medical as well. That means she's a dependent, uh, a dependent of the employee. Now, her question is, should he apply now for Part A of Medicare just to have it done and not to worry about any penalties? Some people have said that he can wait, but I always think of the unforeseen in between when he would want to retire. I currently am 63, and I need to keep on my husband's medical. I'm just looking for your thoughts on this issue. Thanks very much. And that was sent from her iPhone, so she must have little slim fingers, and she can type up a storm because that was fairly lengthy. So here's my answer to her. I said, hello, Mrs. So-and-so. Thank you for buying my book. The excellent news I have for you is that your husband can do any of these things that work best for each of you. Number one, he can keep the company insurance as long as he is actively employed, and he can do nothing about Medicare until he decides to stop working. Or number two, he can keep everything as is, but also enroll in Part A of Medicare to be effective when he turns 65. This has the advantage of getting him on the books at the Social Security Administration so that his eventual enrollment into Part B will be slightly less complicated. The only reason not to do this would be if he has an HSA plan with a tax advantage deposit. That might be in jeopardy if he has any Medicare involvement at all. If you've got an HSA plan, uh, make sure that you stop your uh, tax advantage deposits at least six months before you enroll in any part of Medicare. And number three, you and or your husband might really hate the company health insurance plan. Maybe the company makes you contribute more of the cost than you wish, or maybe the plan benefits are not to your liking. For instance, it might have a very large deductible, or perhaps it has a provider network that does not serve you very well. In that case, your husband has the option of enrolling in parts A and B at age 65 and disenrolling from the company plan. Of course, that would mean finding alternate arrangements for your health insurance for the next couple of years, but this course of action is an, uh, an option. So then I hit her right between the eyes. I said, I hope this helps to clarify things for you. If you think my book was helpful, I always appreciate a very short written review on Amazon. If you have the time and the inclination, this helps not only the author, but future readers seeking reliable advice. Thanks again for writing. So I hope that clarified her questions about what her husband should do when he turns age 65. And, um, Maybe I'll hear from her that she actually did do a, um, uh, a review on Amazon. It doesn't take very many words, but the fact that one writes a few words, I think, makes it carry extra weight. So if you really like the book, then if you say, I like this book, and that's all it takes, then Amazon actually says, oh, well, uh, put a, a big X in the plus column for that author in that book. And that helps future people seeking Medicare knowledge to discover the book more easily. And then I have to say, I was listening to our favorite Tony with an eye, uh, because she's a girl, <laughs> our favorite Medicare expert from way down South. And, uh, she's near Houston. She actually lives in uh, Sugarland, Texas. And, uh, she got a question from somebody, but the thing is on the podcast, first of all, once again, every three words, there's an edit. So I don't know what goes on that, that she has to be so tightly edited 
so that it looks like her answers are completely well thought out and there is no space in between the words at all. But you can tell the differences in volume. And secondly, her companion, uh, the guy I, I would like to call Twinkle Toes, uh, he has also been edited heavily. So when you listen to the the uh, podcast, you can hear both the questions and the, the small talk and the answers heavily edited on their podcast. But in this case, they had an answer uh, or a question come in, and I think it's kind of an important consideration for those who might get trapped in a Medicare Advantage plan. It's something for people to remember. The danger of a Medicare Advantage plan can reach beyond your current well-being. And you might think, oh boy, plans are pretty cheap and they have all kinds of extra stuff like dental insurance and all that. Well, they do carry kind of a hidden problem that uh, could spring out to bite you down the road. But I'll read this. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, what I'm reading is <laughs> not the question and answer, as it turns out. Um, the problem with a Medicare Advantage plan is that it has a network of providers, especially an HMO type of Medicare Advantage plan. The cost may be excellent, but you may have trouble going to a specialist or to a place that can be of more intense curative services for you. And I'm thinking in terms of the Mayo Clinic. Uh, there's one Mayo Clinic in uh, here in Arizona near us. There's another Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida. Neither of those two, I confirmed by telephone, take any Medicare Advantage plans whatsoever. Uh, even the MSA Medicare Advantage plan that I offer to my clients uh, is verboten in it shouldn't be but um, they have just drawn the line we're not going to deal with any medicare advantage plans now the uh, problem in the correspondent that tony with uh, an i had to deal with was that he retired from his job so he got a medicare advantage plan on the date of his retirement when his uh, company medicare uh, plan ended and then he had colon cancer so he moved from oklahoma down near Houston to Spring, Texas, to begin a lengthy course of treatment for his colon cancer at a uh, an outstanding treatment facility called MD Anderson. Uh, MD Anderson is a major deal. I found that out from a classmate of mine in and my high school class who is suffering from uh, uh, cancer, and she has been there for treatment, and she recommends it highly. So I thought to myself, I should check and see if MD Anderson accepts Medicare Advantage plans. And so far they do, but they don't accept every Medicare Advantage plan. This guy's problem, this guy that wrote to Tony, uh, his Medicare Advantage plan did not include MD Anderson. He would have had to pay for his cancer treatment, his very expensive cancer treatment, out of his own pocket. And so Tony found the answer for him. Kudos to Tony. She said, well, you're still within your six-month open enrollment period because Part B of Medicare was effective less than six months ago. So you can still get a Medicare supplement plan, guaranteed issue, to be effective before the end of your six months, and that will solve your problem. And so he quickly disenrolled from his uh, poorly chosen Medicare Advantage plan and enrolled in a Medicare supplement plan and original Medicare. You know, when you have a Medicare Advantage plan, they take away your Medicare too. And all you have is that Advantage plan. So he said, I want to disenroll. That automatically put him back into original Medicare, which will pay 80% of your outpatient 
expenses. And then he was able to get a Medicare supplement to cover the other 20% of the treatment that he's going to have this MD Anderson place. Now, Tony also mentioned Tulane and the Mayo Clinic. Well, I know the Mayo Clinic, at least in two locations, Jacksonville, Florida, and Phoenix, Arizona, is not taking any Medicare Advantage plans. Uh, I don't know. I, I went to the Tulane website, and it was so confusing. I didn't really have a uh, uh, an answer that was I could sink my teeth into. And MD Anderson still does take Medicare Advantage plans in some cases they have a list of the advantage plans that they'll accept on their website so if you have an advantage plan it may or may not work if you need to seek treatment at one of these really really fine institutions that we have scattered around the country and the ones i've mentioned just during this podcast episode are tulane md anderson and mayo clinic uh you're gonna be up the creek without a paddle if you don't have a plan that they will be willing to accept except and that would include most of your hmo plans which are probably the zero premium yeah I, i'm i'm getting a zero premium plan and they're gonna do all this wonderful stuff for me except when the chips are down and you've got a dread disease that is best treated by specialists in another location then you could find that it was a poor choice to uh, uh enroll in that medicare advantage plan so a word to the wise, be careful. I would say avoid Medicare Advantage plans at all costs because we don't know what the future is going to bring. And I have a uh, little thing here that the uh, content curator came up and she slipped this into my stack. And uh, I thought maybe it was worthy of sharing with the audience. The title is Medicare and Medicaid. And the article starts out 70% of people over age 65 will need some type of long-term care during their lifetimes. That seems a little dire to me. I'm not sure that, well, I guess if you throw in people that break a hip or something, then then maybe that would be considered long-term care as you're recuperating from an injury like that. But the article goes on to say, generally, health insurance does not cover those expenses, nor does Medicare. Medicaid may provide some coverage, but only for lower income Americans. Medicaid, which includes in California, uh, Medi-Cal, and it, in Arizona, it's called Access. It's pretty tough to spell. It's A-C-C-H-H-S-S-S, uh, but the, they call it Access, and that's the Medicaid program in Arizona. In your state, it might be called Medicaid or it might have a different name. So the article goes on to say Medicare, the facts. Medicare is a federal health insurance program designed primarily for people age 65 and older. Adults with certain permanent disabilities or medical conditions may qualify for coverage at a younger age. Medicare Part A is hospital insurance that covers portions of a hospital bill for patient hospital care, hospice care, and limited time in a skilled nursing home or facility. Deductibles, coinsurance, and copayments will generally need to be paid even if Medicare covers the service. Medicare does not pay for homemaker services. That means like custodial care in your home. Medicare will pay for services once the following conditions are met. If you had a recent prior hospital stay of at least three days, that is a critical component. Other conditions are you are admitted to a Medicare-certified nursing facility within 30 days of your prior hospital stay. Not all facilities are Medicare-certified. Also, you need skilled care, 
such as physical therapy or skilled nursing services. If you meet all three of those conditions, Medicare will pay 100% of your costs for the first 20 days. For days 21 to 100, you pay your own expenses up to $194.50 per day, and Medicare pays any balance. After 100 days, you are fully responsible for the entire cost of your care for each day that you remain in a skilled nursing facility. Mm. Now, the facts about Medicaid. Medicaid is a joint federal and state public assistance program for financing health care for low-income people. It pays for health care services for those with low incomes or very high medical bills relative to their income and assets. It's the largest public payer of long-term care services. Medicaid pays for certain health services and nursing home care for people with low incomes and limited assets. Eligibility is usually based on income and personal financial resources. So to qualify for Medicaid, you may have to spend down your assets. It's important to know that Medicaid benefits vary by state. To find out the eligibility requirements in your state, you can go to the website, which is not even here. Oh, uh, <laughs> I think I wrote it down for the content curator. The website is www.medicaid.gov slash state dash overviews slash index dot html. L. I hope you're listening to this on a device that you can rewind and play forward again slowly while you write all that down, because I'm not going to bore the audience by repeating it again, but I'll bore the audience by telling them that we've reached the end of our time and Randy is now in charge. The 75 cent bell has rung as well as the crickets. Boy, we got a lot of alarms telling us when to go home, don't we? We do. We do. So, Folks, I have tried desperately to expand my budget past 75 cents, but we just cannot float that boat. You know, the next step will be a buck, and that's that's quite a step. Well, there we have constraints. We have budget constraints, and especially in view of the operating expenses for the company Yacht, which I have yes. yet to see, and the company yes. Airplane, which I, I heard flying over one day, but, you know. Yeah. We waved act- at you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, we waved at you. I was on the way. I think that particular flight, we were on the way to Florida. And as we flew, we and we but we started in California and we flew yeah. over and I waved at you as, you, as we went by. I, you may not have seen us. I, I Well, I saw what I thought was our company airplane flying over. And you did warn me that, I it, you know, it would be in the area. But uh, the fact that we have a plane that can actually go, fly from California to Florida without needing refueling tells me that uh, we have quite an airplane there, probably quite expensive. This is why we're not going to give those crickets a raise, and this is why uh, <laughs> all, all the other budget constraints that you find problematic are not going to change anytime soon. Are, they are still in place, is, is what I'm hearing. That's it. That's it, for now, anyway. Yeah. yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So anyway, there's a couple, three things I always like to do before we sign off, and one of them is to have you cop get your pencil and copy down Doug's email address because you just never know when you're going to want to drop him an email. And he does really like to hear from you guys. dbj at mlmmailbag.com, dbj at mlmmailbag.com. He is a licensed agent nationwide to help you all with your Medicare supplement planning and needs. 
Check us out on the website at MedicareForTheLazyMan.com. We would appreciate a review, a rating, or whatever have you would like to call it on the podcast and the book because it always helps us out. We're always up against it in the rating world, as, as you might imagine. But before I sign off, there's one very important fact that I like to do. I like to thank you. And we have got all kinds of technology going on here. Hold on. Uh, we are going to thank you for your attendance at the podcast today because you could have been a hundred different places doing a hundred different things and you weren't. You chose to spend a little bit of time with us on Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. And as far as the time you spent, according to my clock on the wall, we spent about 32 and a half minutes together listening to Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma. No more. He is camped out permanently in the high altitudes behind Cave Creek, Arizona. And I'm going to put him in at about 12,500 feet in his fortress of solitude. Thank you so much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. We'll look forward to seeing you right here, right now, uh, right here in the future for our next episode. Bye-bye.